Welcome to the Lead Podcast, helping you to get it, grow it, and give it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lead Podcast. I am here with Dan and Dustin Cerns, a father and son, and uh, quite awesome to have them here. We're at EC3 in Collegedale, Tennessee, and yesterday they they had some seminars prepared. And so we're going to talk to them a bit about ministry and the family. So why don't you guys go ahead and tell us about yourselves and and, and where you're at currently? Does it matter who goes first? All good. Okay. Um, this is Dan. I am the evangelism coordinator for the Texas Conference, which basically is helping the 60,000 members of our conference take the Adventist message to the 24 million people in our territory as fast as possible. Uh, two years ago, I transitioned to this role from being senior pastor at Richardson Seventh-day Adventist Church on the north side of Dallas, where we had, God gave us some tremendous growth and changed lives and church plants out of that, and, it, and it's just been awesome. And I'm Dustin, and uh, I am the pastor of the Port Orchard Seventh Adventist Church in Washington State, across from Seattle on the Olympic Peninsula, and uh, we're just seeing God do some awesome things in our area to uh, really uh, bring growth spiritually and uh, into our church and to our and and younger all at the same time. And God's just uh, doing an awesome thing to mobilize people. Awesome. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. And and what I want to talk about today is something we haven't really talked about on this podcast quite yet, and that is uh, ministry to your family. And the reason that I want to talk about this is actually there's a personal side to this as well, which is that growing up, anyone that I met that was a pastor's kid, uh, that that it was involved anything in ministry and kind of got to see the dark side or behind the curtain of it, uh, disillusioned, angry, and they 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 walk away. And it's it's rare for me in my experience, this is only anecdotal, um, I actually don't know what the stats are, but it's rare to me to see the whole family um, involved in ministry long-term, um, from the parents to the kids uh, and, and beyond that. So this is really cool to see a father and son um, owning ministry, owning their own callings to God, right? So I don't want to mm-hmm. just see this within the context of your family. I want to own that, you know, uh, Dustin, you're not just your father's son, but you are your own person <laughs> in ministry too. Um, so I, I really want to own that as well. But but let's go ahead and start with this. Dan, what are some things that you uh, that you did for your family that helped instill positive values and a positive view of God? Well, I was a young youth director in Texas Conference when the Value Genesis 1 study came out, 15,000 young people and their parents and teachers and pastors. And I looked through there and it had 41 factors in helping kids grow up loving Jesus and loving the church. And I said, wow, what timing. I have two little kids at home. These are the things that will really make a difference. But when you look through a list of 41, you start going, I don't know if I can do all of these, Mm. but I boil it down and I saw the single most important factor in helping a kid grow up loving Jesus and loving the church was interesting family worship. And I went home, talked to my wife, and I said, if we don't do anything else right, we got to get this right. So we began working on having family worship be more consistent, more interesting, more involved. It quickly um, navigated to 30 minutes each day and then about an hour Friday evening with us taking turns a week at a time. On the kitchen calendar, we'd put down... Dustin's week of worship and Jacob's week of worship, mom's week, dad's week. Then Danessa came along and they, 
and they had their week that they were in charge of everything for family worship. And they would pick the stories and the songs and the activities and the creative stuff. We just require they have something from the Bible and prayer to God, mm. everything else. And um, Dustin, I remember in his teen years, decided he was going to teach himself to play the guitar because he saw his mom trying to learn, and he said, I can do better than that. You know how those <laughs> things go sometimes. And so, so when it was his week of worship... And we had 30 minutes. We'd sing for 28 minutes with him playing his guitar, doing all his different chords and riffs and all of that. <laughs> and then and then we'd have a Bible verse and prayer because that was required. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but our kids, that, that really became the spiritual leadership development laboratory was regular mm-hmm. family worship. For sure. And we had to put things aside. We had to make things right going into worship. Um, Jacob, one time when he was in eighth grade, said, tonight for family worship, we're going to play Bible freeze tag. And I'm thinking, is this worshiping God? Okay, what's the idea? And he said, I'm it. I tag you. you you're frozen until you say a Bible verse from memory. And um, and then, but you can't repeat any Bible verses. So we oh, started wow. running around the house, <laughs> and it didn't take long before we were frozen, and we'd been through Jesus wept and for God so loved the world <laughs> in the beginning. And, and and we began realizing we need to store more of God's word in our mind. And Danessa, when we, we'd put the kids in a rotation when they were very young, Danessa, when she's about four or three or four, said, tonight for family worship, we're all going to do a craft. We'd never thought of doing a craft. So if mom and dad had thought that they were in charge of all of worship, this never would have come out. But she handed each of us a piece of paper and a pencil, and she said, draw a picture of Jesus. And that worked well for the artistic ones, but for me it was stick figures of Jesus. And and um, she looks around after a while, and she says, Daddy, I think you can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> but though we treasure lots and lots of memories from worship. Also, uh, this is Dustin speaking, also when it was, you know, say my dad's turn for worship and he pulled out some boring article from like the Adventist Review or something, <laughs> it was okay and we'd pay attention because we knew that our week to lead out was coming and they'd paid attention for us and we would mm. re- return that in response. Mm. Wow. And But that was that's the centerpiece. There, there are other things, I, you know, one was we'd take a We'd have a two-hour family day activity every week, and whoever was in charge of family worship the week before would get to plan that family day activity. Whatever they wanted to do, nobody could complain. Everybody had to participate. And so that gave variety. That allowed them to plan some social activities and some things like that. Another thing was we'd start giving them allowance when they were about three or four, not just to teach them work ethic, but really to teach him how to manage money God's way. And so we'd have the coins and show him this dime out of each dollar pile is for Jesus and his workers around the world, and it's called tithe, and this nickel from each of those dollar piles. is, And, and so they began learning at a very young age, even before first grade, how to be faithful to God with stewardship. And um, some learned quicker than others. Uh, vacation, we protected vacation time. We didn't have a lot of money. But we would um, we'd go to a state park with a cheap tent from Walmart and um, and a cook stove, and we'd cook. And the kids would draw, drive their little cars around in the dirt, and and we just we just have fun, have fun together. And mm. um, and then two other things that come to my mind. One is we wanted to speak happy and positive about Jesus frequently. 
just to use mm. his name in a positive way. Sometimes we talk about the church and religion, what's not going on, but just Jesus is so good to us and, and praising him. And we do it in worship, but outside of worship. The other thing is learning to admit openly to our kids when we had failed. And that you have to reduce your pride. But one time uh, we had a time when I, I really lost it. And, um, and I had to say, Dustin, I am very sorry. I didn't like what you did, but I don't like how he responded. And I'm more responsible for how he responded than for what you did, even though you're, I'm your dad. And he said, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, well, how can I, how can I show that I really mean it? And then I thought, boy, that's vulnerable. Uh, mm. and, and then he said, you can give me a dollar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I thought, boy, I got off cheap on this one. <laughs> We're out for a walk, and I said, Dustin, as soon as we get home, I'm going to give you a dollar. And, um, and it was kind of like he looked at me like, yeah, you'll forget. And so I said, if I, for, if I don't give you a dollar within a minute of the time we get home, I'm going to give you $5. Because then I knew that I was on the hook. And he was hoping I'd forget, and I was hoping I'd remember, but I gave him a dollar, and I began realizing next time it's going to be $20 or whatever. So, Lord, please help me to acknowledge when I'm wrong to even my kids. And that doesn't excuse their wrong, but it, it allows them to have a model for how to, how to, ask, how to say you're sorry for doing mm. something wrong. Wow. Thank you for that. That was some awesome, awesome stuff there. And, and so, Dustin, now from your perspective, um, as the son, what are some things that helped you from your family to see ministry as an option for your life and, and to have that positive view of God? And you can absolutely echo anything he's said and, and feel free to just your spin, your perspective on it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think because I've heard some of the same things, you know, pastor's kids, it seems like sometimes are called one of the extremes, you know, either way, way out there or like the goody two shoes that doesn't know anything. And I didn't want to be categorized in any of those. And I'm sure I was either way. Um, but, you know, people would say, oh, you're a pastor's kid. Well, how's that been? As if it's supposed to be some dramatic experience. But I think one of the crucial things was I never saw anything outside the home that was different than inside the home. And, uh, and so there was never a, a sense that we need to put on a certain face in this situation, but inside the home, we all know it's different. Um, and so I saw the same thing. So I, I always saw a consistency and I thought that was normal. Um, and then, and then, you know, growing up and hearing from others, I've learned that maybe it's not as normal, but to really not feel the need to have the integrity to not feel the need to impress anybody or to talk different, to talk negative about somebody when they're not there, but talk positive about them to their face is always positive. And so I think that was really critical, just um, that aspect and seeing, seeing that lived in our own home and uh, seeing things like forgiveness and things like talking about Jesus and being excited about him, seeing my both parents uh, doing daily devotions on their own on a regular basis, uh, having both of them tell stories about how they'd seen God at work and divine appointments and, and those kinds of things. And so it just, uh, it was normal for me to see, uh, what it looks like not to just have a ministry role, but also just to live for Jesus. Mm. And, uh, and I think that also there wasn't a lot, I don't remember a lot of talk about issues from the church in our home. 
And I'm sure there were issues, but I think those were discussed in other places and in other formats. And I think that was really helpful uh, because it just really allowed, it wasn't like they were trying to pull the wool over our eyes, but we weren't really ready to be able to process those until we had our own relationship with Jesus. And as we got older, um, we became, you know, we, we saw our fair share and those kinds of things. But I think having our own, letting us grow into having our own personal relationship with Jesus really um helped us in that. Another aspect was um, in time. Now, obviously, pastors are really busy, and, and my dad was busy, but I never felt robbed of time because of two things. One, we always connected for family worship every day, so we'd always uh, see each other that way. But another thing is, um, I think on a pretty regular basis, uh, my dad would always spend one-on-one time with each of us kids, even if it was just 15 minutes doing whatever we wanted to do as kids growing up. So we knew that he wasn't always available for us whenever we wanted, but we did know that he would always be available to do whatever we wanted to do if we waited and were patient. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, really important that we didn't feel like everyone else had access to my dad and, and we didn't. Um, and so uh, that was super important to, to carve out that time one-on-one. It's a lot different for kids to spend the time one-on-one with them doing whatever they want to do than just collectively as a family. Both are important, but it, it definitely spoke a lot to me to have that one-on-one time. Um, some other things that really made an impact is uh, just seeing how my parents lived their life, especially my dad. Um, something that's that really impacted me is that everyone I've ever, everyone that he meets he sees as a candidate for the kingdom of God, no matter if he's out running errands or if he's preaching at the pulpit or if he's on vacation or if he's on a flight or if he's uh, doing a Bible study, it's always the same. And so everybody gets a glow track, no matter who you are. <laughs> everybody gets a, a prayer. Everybody gets to have prayer. Oh, uh, he's thank handed- you. He just handed me one from his shirt pocket. <laughs> I love it. So, so everybody gets a glow track. Everybody gets talked about Jesus. Everybody gets an offer for prayer. Everybody gets an invitation to take the next step with him. And that was never like an on-duty, off-duty thing. Um, it wasn't, uh, it, it was always just, that's what you do when you love Jesus. And so it was natural for us, all three of us kids are really involved, and we've all, we've all been very involved in leading people to Christ, praise God, um, and, and seeing people make decisions for baptism and study with people for baptism and, and led them into God and his final movement. Not, not all three of us are even pastors, but all three of us have been very involved in that because that's what we saw consistently uh, from that. It wasn't just an, we do this when we're on duty, it's Every person is loved by God, and uh, and every person deserves to be loved and to be invited to something more. So those were the consistencies were um, probably something that made a huge, huge difference. And then constantly hearing stories about uh, you know the the miracle working power in God's life and how He's changing this person's life that He was uh, that He met with that day. Hearing testimonies, those kinds of things um, were were really impactful, along with all the the um, other things that, that my dad mentioned. Like family worship, it was natural and normal for us to lead spiritually. And so when we got into other settings, we already were spiritual leaders. We already were used to leading out in prayer and leading worships and leading devotional thoughts and, and doing all those things. And um, without having to worry about having a title or having a responsibility attached, that's just who we were because it was ingrained in what we did from when we, before I can even remember. 
Wow, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to go off with a question I didn't send you, but this has made me think about it. There's, mm-hmm. I imagine it, it, it is not far out of, out of uh, uh, too far of a hypothetical to imagine that there's a pastor listening to this or a ministry leader who's, who's listening to this and thinking, I've really missed the mark. Mm-hmm. I have robbed my family of time or I, you know, my kids are in their teens now. I didn't get to start with family worship yeah. then. Mm-hmm. And they may be, I don't know if someone listening to this is might be on the verge of tears, even thinking about that. Um, what might you say to that pastor yes. who's, re- who's feeling that regret right now, or that, yeah. that crushing pressure of, man, is it too late? What do I do? How do I even begin? What, what would you say? You know, one nice thing is we can always take all of our flaws and failures to Jesus. That's mm-hmm. the, and, and Jesus loves our kids more than we do. And he's been doing things to surround them with positive influences, even if we weren't a positive influence, and we were supposed to be. So that's a wonderful thing there. Second thing is it's never too late to start doing something right. So it may be harder to get teenagers to kind of come and get together for a family worship with their school schedules and everything, but five minutes together with a Bible verse and prayer and letting them um, try to foster that. And then having time and just say, listen, I I need to take some time and and listen. And I I am sorry, I've not done this as well as I'd want to. And um, and when when do you have 15 minutes to just talk to me and tell me what I need to hear to to help people better? Mm. And just to be a good listener um, is is a key ingredient, I think. And and then another thing, sometimes the kids are already gone. And just to to say, Lord, um, I missed opportunities with my children. Please send other people to them, but now send me to other people's children so mm. I can do something there while you're arranging for other people to do something with my kids. Yeah, and I would say also um, just being honest and open about your personal journey. Um, it there's there's nothing wrong with having weaknesses as long as we acknowledge those and say we need Jesus. Uh, yeah. But what what kids don't like to see is weaknesses that are excused and that are not talked about and swept under the rug. Um, people, you know, as kids, we have a lot more uh, admiration for people who are weak and admit it and say man, I messed up or, uh, or, or to even say, I, I heard this podcast or the Lord's been speaking to my heart recently. And, um, and I'm just realizing I haven't been who I would have liked to be. And I understand if, and, and, and I understand if, uh, if you're sensing that or, or whatever your experience has been, let, you know, listen, but, uh, be open and honest with it and say, um, I want to move in the right direction. And, and I would love your help with that. Uh, mm. and then, uh, you know, as pastors, we have to keep tight calendars and everything like that. And sometimes scheduling things in the calendar and honoring the honoring family commitments, just like we would any other commitment, um, or, or even more so, uh, is important. It's easy for them to get the extra time rather than the the primary time. And I'm guilty of this myself. And so I'm not even going to say that I have it all figured out, but, um, I think being open and, and honest and asking for help and asking for, um, coming alongside and then being willing to take the time to build up whatever trust needs to be built up, built up and to invite the Holy Spirit to refine our characters, to grow from wherever we're at. Awesome. One thing that really helped me too is that when I was a young pastor, our conference president said, a family day is not the same as a day off. A family day is as much a part of your work as anything else. And, and he said, if you're not taking a family day, you're not doing your work properly. And that was freeing to me. And then later I read about another conference president who had 
but said when he was a young pastor and always struggling and his members had all these expectations that were too high and unrealistic, and they always wanted to be with him. And pastor, why can't you do this? Why can't you come to this? But he wasn't having time with his family. He wrote in his, cal in his calendar that he'd gotten counsel from his conference president to take time with his family. So he wrote in his calendar, instead of family day, he wrote president's counsel. Because that was the council of his president. <laughs> Not available to have president's yeah, and so, council yeah, but, yeah, And so when people would say, Pastor, we really need you over here for this. He said, I'd like to, but I have president's council. Oh, okay. And they'd accept wow. that better than family day. Wow. That's great. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, let's uh, we're going to uh, jump a bit here. But Dustin, let's look at you through your teenage years, through maybe your college years, uh, or before that. Did you ever have a time of kind of running away or rejecting ministry? Uh, and how'd you work through it? Or if not, why do you think that is? Yeah, good question. Um, I don't know that I, I was, I'm the middle child. My brother was the older rebellious child. And so I, <laughs> I saw everything not to do from him. Gotcha. And so I was kind of the more fearful, like just uh, not wanting to, um, too scared to do, do the bad stuff or whatever. Um, but I think that the whole time, because of my dad being a pastor, the whole time, you know, uh, people would ask me, hey, are you going to be a pastor just like your dad? Mm. <laughs> and I would always say with a resounding, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, because everybody, every kid wants to be, you know, we want to have mentors and look up to people, but we also want to be ourselves, Absolutely. not just mini-me's of even our own heroes. Uh, and so, uh, and so... I never was was clear on that calling from God growing up. I just never knew what I wanted to be. I just said, oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about it or whatever and had ideas. So I never was I never was running away, um, but I was never never bought in or or fully into it. And then finally it was really when it was really my senior year of academy where we had recently moved to a new school and you know hadn't in the beginning, had a hard time making friends once again, and uh, and and kind of thought, and then going around to different churches trying to find one that would be a good fit. And I thought, man, if I can't be the only one going through this, there's got to be other people at my school and other people in my circle that have had a hard time connecting at various churches. My dad was working at the Union, so we didn't have a local church, and so um, uh, I was thinking about what to do with that, and decided, you know what, I'm going to start a youth-led church once a month. And um, and when I shared that with my dad, he said, I want to help you make that happen. Uh, and so really, that was a, a really profound moment in my life where I was at, in the driver's seat and my dad pulled out all the stops to rally behind me and, and mentor me to make it a success. He didn't swoop in and said, here, I'll take care. Of, I'll make sure it happens. He He kind of walked with me every step of the way and anything that was challenging for me, he helped make sure was a success and then kept just dumping fuel on my fire to continue um, doing it. And so we ended up, we ended up doing that and we had anywhere from 40 to 70 people there. Uh, every Sabbath, it was in a new zip code with no Adventist church. We do a whole day Sabbath, you know, Sabbath school church outreach in the afternoon. And many, I saw many of my friends uh, preach their first sermons and teach their first Sabbath school. And we had an adult story where the adults would come up and hear a story instead of the kids because it was a youth church. And um, and I just saw lives change. Some of the ESL students, the English uh, language students from my school who 
weren't even Christians were coming and wow. and participating and getting to know Christ from it. And so it was a powerful experience that was absolutely thrilling that I was the leader of, but my dad was kind of just behind the scenes making sure that everything worked out. You know, bigger things like like securing a venue is harder to do um, and those kinds of things. But um, through that process, I said, man, I could do this the rest of my life. I'm seeing mm. lives change. I'm seeing, I'm giving people new experiences. They're growing in their walk with Jesus. They're, uh, and, and I said, this is, this is absolutely awesome. And that was really where I sensed a call from God that senior year through that process of being involved. And, um, and, and that was really where I said, yeah, I, I could do this the rest of my life. And so then people, when I finally did make that decision to study theology and going into college, people say, oh, so you are going to be a pastor just like your dad. And I'd say, no, I'm going to be a pastor just like me. Yes. <laughs> um, but my dad was instrumental in that, in mentoring behind the scenes. But I think if he would have tried to run out in front, I think it would have killed everything, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, he didn't need, what was more important was for me to be a success in ministry than for the success that I wanted to have happen, be a success or the ministry that I wanted to have happen, be a success. Yeah. Did that make sense? Yes. The person was more important. And so that was a really, a really profound, um, moment where I sensed, sensed that calling. And that was where, uh, um, where it kind of put me on a track to continue in that, uh, until this day. Awesome. That's great. Uh, that's really powerful. And Dan, um, what are some things that you tried as a parent that you think, you know, may not well, fully failed, but things that you may have done, may would do differently, maybe would change up a bit if you, if you were doing it over? Uh, and what are some things that you would say, I'm doing that exactly the same? Mm. Well, because this is only a 30-minute podcast, I don't have enough time to talk about all my failures. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm with you. But, um, but one of the things that was a challenge, um, Dustin had something of a phlegmatic personality and a delayed and I was not that way and when he was a little kid he just took forever to do anything and I had a schedule to meet and I remember one time taking him down to Houston and I we had a weekend camp meeting and I on Sunday morning I was supposed to be leading the music at this big tent pitched and I was and Dustin just couldn't get ready in the morning. He was with me on that one trip. I take turns when I was traveling, take kids with me. And it just got later and later. And I didn't want to yell at him, but I knew I couldn't get him going. Finally, we got going and went on the, you know, coming down the highway and got off on the frontage road and going a little too fast. And there's the policeman right there. And he pulls me over and he could understand I was going to church on Sunday morning, but he... Here we're stopped right there, about two blocks from where the tent is pitched, and the hundreds of people coming by. That could, oh, there's Pastor oh, Sir. There's this. Oh, that poor guy. And you know, I just. But I was so torn up and inside, all frustrated. And when I came back and I got the insurance out of the glove compartment and gave it to the police and got all that worked out, the police fortunately gave me a warning instead. And when I got back in the car. Dustin says, Dad, did you give him some literature? <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> that's where I, at that time, I kept the literature in the glove compartment. And, and I realized I have been so frustrated and upset, I completely missed an opportunity. Wow. And I said, I said, no, son, I'm thankful he didn't give me any literature either. <laughs> <laughs> but really, my impatience, I had to learn to slow down, to leave more margins, to... to 
to just enjoy the journey with the family and not just have this list of all things we needed to do, but to to enjoy that journey. And and um, uh, maybe related to that, um, before the kids were born, I was working in the conference as youth director and traveling around. And during that period of time, each of our kids were born. I was there for their birth. But as they got into elementary school, more and more, they wanted to stay with their friends. They didn't want to go. And I would begin begin Sabbath in a motel and ended on an interstate highway headed home, and I wasn't having that time. And I began to have some of those regrets that, like you referred mm. to earlier, where I began realizing, well, Sabbath, we used to have a lot of family time, and we have no family time now. And this, something's not quite right. And the Lord finally opened my mind to say, you need to get off the road and you need to get back into a church or a district where you can be with a family during this critical time in their lives. And that finally came clear to me. And, and I said, Lord, I don't know where I'm supposed to go next, but I, I sense I've done my best work here. I need to get off the road, out of the office, and uh, please show me. And within 30 days, God gave me five options. And then I didn't know what to do either. Oh, wow. I had to pray them all through. And it was kind of like God was saying, I was wondering when you'd catch on. <laughs> now that you caught on, then, then I can show you you have lots of options. And went back into pastoring for about 10 years before I was called again into a, a union office. But I don't regret any of that transition. But an ironic thing happened. When I decided to go back to pastoring, I had at least a dozen people come up to me in different ways and say, isn't this kind of a step down? Mm. Mm. And then I began realizing that so many people have the idea of a ladder in ministry and that I think I'd gotten onto that without being fully aware of it and that, that that's not what it's about. It's a family circle, and we move to different places based on our family situation and ministry, and, mm -hmm. and our family is our first ministry. So um, I, I'm glad I made the transition when I did. I probably should have made it about five years earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so for anybody who's processing a lot with your family, you may look back and say, well, I wished I would have. Well, instead of spend a lot of time and energy on that, think, what does God have for me next that will help you build up some of the areas that might be a little weak in my family. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. I'm just going to go through these last couple questions that we have. Um, and this one, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to modify the question a bit and, and let's choose your top one each. Uh, but what is one thing that you would, you would say that pastors can do to take better care of themselves and their families? Yeah, good question. Um, well, it's a daily journey, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> I, absolutely. I think, I think uh, pastoral ministry or any kind of ministry is the, or any kind of life in general is the constant quest for balance. Uh, it's so easy to, you know, there's different seasons uh, that we're in. And so depending on those things, I think it's, I think it changes uh, daily or weekly or monthly what the most important thing is uh, for me and my family. But now that I have a, a three-year-old daughter and, a, and another child along the way, um, I think uh, one of the most important things that I've learned so far is uh, to listen, uh, first and foremost, to my wife, uh, because she is a great... I never want to make an excuse uh, when she tells me that I'm spending too much time in doing this or too much time doing that or that I could have skipped doing this. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit can speak through our wives. 
and that uh, um, and it's easy to get defensive. It's easy to say, well, this is important. Well, this is the Lord's work, or this is what's what's going on. But um, but at the end of the day, our families are is the Lord's work too. Yeah. And so um, I think I think for me has the one of the biggest lessons has been listen to my wife and don't just don't just hear what she says, but continually um, get some feedback on how things are going at home uh, from the one who's there at home and uh, and to constantly be learning and growing and making adjustments as needed, cutting back on certain things or, or having that special day to plan to go to the pumpkin patch or whatever mm. or or, um, or or to get home earlier from those meetings so we can still have a short worship and tuck my daughter into bed and those kinds of things. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And Dan, what about you? <clears throat> yeah, I think family worship, family day, you, you can't those are non-negotiables, I think, in a, in a pastor's family. Now it's my wife and I, so it's her week of worship, my week of worship, <laughs> my week family day. But, you know, th- those are non-negotiable. But for each day, I, I know when I wake up, there are, there are some things I need to do if I'm going to stay balanced or try to be balanced. And I just abbreviate it this way, C-E-S-B-P, okay? Every day I need these. C is communion with God. E is some kind of exercise in some way. S is shower. <laughs> Don't overlook that. B is breakfast. And so many rush out without a breakfast. But And then P is planning. And during the planning time, after I've had communion with God and have my mind clear from walking and, and showering and eating breakfast, that's when I say, Lord, what are the one to four highest priorities for me today? And if I don't get anything else done, I want number one done. And sometimes at the end of the day, I have 10 things to do instead of three or four. But knowing that I've done the most important thing first, and I've had the balance of communion with God, exercise, shower, breakfast, and planning, allows me to have some freedom to know I can go through the day. And I think for many of of us, we look back and we can see at least at my stage in ministry, I can see there were times where I did not do well with communion with the Lord, Bible study and prayer. We can't, we have to have that. Or other times we didn't have exercise or where we were skipping breakfast. So if we just can establish a simple routine somehow to include and incorporate those simple things, sometimes it'll be more exercise, some less. Sometimes longer in communion, sometimes shorter but to at least make sure all the ingredients are there, it helps us have a, a wonderful day with the Lord. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for your time here. Uh, I just I want to give you the, the opportunity now, free and open. Any final thoughts, anything you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, um, just it's been great to get a chance to share. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, I would say God, God loves our families, and he has always uh, sought to save families. Um, mm. You look from the very beginning, God wanted to save families, and, and Noah and his family, and uh, Noah, the least successful evangelist ever, he, he <laughs> preached for 120 years without a single convert. Wow. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah. he got his family. Amen. Yes. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I mean, I want to be faithful in my ministry. I don't want to neglect those who are in my broader uh, fa- community family or church family, uh, but I also want to be faithful with those who are in my immediate family, uh, first and foremost. And and so I think just becoming more realistic in our expectations and, and allowing 
the Holy Spirit to humble us to say, what are we trying to prove and to whom? Um, as long as, as I'm, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit can cut down a really large tree with a really dull saw. And, uh, and when we can stay humble and realize that he's the one doing whatever he needs to do, um, it, it, we don't have to be the hero for everyone else. And, and we can be uh, the leader in our own home at the mm. same time. Amen. Amen. And I really believe Jesus is coming soon. You look at the signs, you look at the outline prophecies, the time prophecies, all the dynamics and the distractions and the evil that is growing in the world. Jesus is coming soon. And when we, when the sky rolls back and we see him face to face and we're flying to meet him in the air, we're going to look around for our family first. Mm-hmm. We, we might be surrounded by other people that we've led to the Lord and there should be a lot of them. But we want our, our family there. And so now is the time to do the best we can to give our kids the best chance to make their own personal decisions to walk in that way. And if we do that, then really what we're doing is we're doing, we're discipling like Jesus told us to, starting with those closest to us so they can serve God. And I think about what Ellen White says in Adventist Home, how one well-ordered family that's centered on Christ is worth more than all the sermons that could ever be preached. Mm-hmm. And so our, ser- our best sermon prep time is the time that we invest in our families. Wow. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been an awesome experience, an awesome ta- mm-hmm. conversation that we've had. Uh, so blessings to you as you guys go back to Thanks where you so are. We'll be praying for you and, and success in your ministry and your family, of course. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for being on the lead podcast. Hey, thank, thank you for having you us. God so bless much. you all. Yes. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the lead podcast. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm one of the co-hosts and producer of this podcast, and we really appreciate your support. If you want to subscribe, then you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcatching apps. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, then we just ask that you please leave a review. That really helps us out to know what we can do better and the things that you are already enjoying, the things that we can continue doing. Make sure you do subscribe and leave a review because we're always doing giveaways and that really, uh, that's the way that we do it is we do it for those who have left a review. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can email us, leadsupodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Roger Hernandez, at leadsu, and myself, at Ryan180Becker. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting. Without you, this is not possible. We'll see you next time.